At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's our number three of the look at right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Greg Peterson riding along with you tonight. Scott Seidenberg wound up being on the night cap, did an absolutely terrific job there. So now I am in tonight to be able to lend a little relief to him as we've got ourselves a great day of college basketball that's going to be coming up on Thursday. Here in the final hour, we're going to be hitting upon so many of those games. And then we're also going to have Matt Landis. Does a terrific job taking a look at all things NFL. We're going to be taking a look at the futures board with him in about 15 minutes. For those of you guys out there on the East Coast, 3.15 a.m. Eastern. For those of you guys out West, that is going to be 12.15 a.m. And certainly is going to be a very rambunctious offseason out there in the NFL. And Things are obviously very rambunctious when it comes to college basketball as well when it comes to what you're able to get out of the Pac-12 as we're going to have some teams that we're going to call what it is. They're probably going to be a little bit outgunned, but I do think that there's going to be a chance that we could wind up seeing some home underdogs come through. Home underdogs have not necessarily been able to have the world's greatest run of things, but we will see if this winds up reversing course on on Thursday as you've got quite a few of them out there. You've got things like Oregon playing O's to UCLA. You've got the Utah versus Arizona game. And then you wind up having Oregon State playing host to USC as we're actually going to be starting there with the USC Trojans find themselves a favorite on the road in this one of 10 to 11 points, depending on where you're shopping. Total setting team 139 and 140. This is 857-858 on the bang board. And it was for me very simple with regards to handicap. Anything of single digits, I was willing to lay it here with USC. At double digits, I'm willing to take a shot here on Oregon State. I recognize that Oregon State has been, we're going to call it what it is, terrible. I mean, they've got three straight-up wins this year. It has been disgraceful, to say the least, but they've been able to come a little bit closer recently. I do think that what is going to be key for this team is just being able to get a little bit more down low because Warwith Altiche has really been the main rebound for this team. Six boards per game seems like he's dealing with a little bit of an ailment, though, so... That is something that is going to be hurting the seam a little bit. Roman Silva is able to give you a little bit over four boards per game. He's been able to do a little bit of a better job recently. Then you take a look at USC. You've got Isaiah Mobley, one of the most unstoppable forces in all of college basketball. For USC, he's been able to give you 14.5 points, 8.5 boards, shoots 38.5% from three-point range. Also leads the team with 3.5 assists per game, one of the rare breeds of guys that is right now leading the team in points, rebounds, and assists. With USC, though, a big thing with regards to this team and a big reason why I don't want to be laying the double digits here with them is that 
It's a USC bunch that they are shooting about 35.5% from three, but 65.7% at the free throw line. Among your top six scores, you've got one guy that shoots above 70% at the free throw line. That'd be Boogie Ellis. Ellis has been solid. They will give you 12.5 points, right around 2.7 assists per game. And it is a USC bunch that they've been able to do a good job down low, being able to get right around four and a half blocks per contest as they do that by committee. Shiv has good one, 12.7 rebounds per game. Drew Peterson, great name. He's been able to shoot right in the neighborhood, about 43% for three, 12.6 boards, and also chips in the three and a half assists per game himself. But with this Oregon State team, I do think that they're going to be able to hold that bay because you'll be able to have Gerard Lucas be able to shoot right around 40% from three-point range, has been able to do a relatively solid job I'll be able to chip in there quite a bit of production with that regard. You do have an Oregon State team that they certainly leave a lot to be desired with regards to points scored on a per possession basis. They are a team that also, with regards to defensive efficiency, ranks outside the top 300 with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis. But a guy that has really been able to emerge as the season has won along has been Deshaun Davis. He's a six foot two, little bit of a joker guard that has been able to give you right around 10 points, three and a half boards. 5.3 assists per game at home. His assist numbers goes up to more around 6.5 assists per game. So he's been able to do a very good job out there in Corvallis. Corvallis is a very tricky place to play as well. I do want to see a little bit more out of some of these backcourt pieces as well. Some like a Dexter Ocano. If he's able to come through, give the team a little bit of something from the outside because Oregon State, they're only shooting about 30.2% from three-point range. That'd be very beneficial. And when it comes to Oregon State as well, each of your top three scores do give you at least a seal per game as well. I do think that Oregon State is going to be able to hold that bay. I'm going to take double digits with them. And when it comes to this total, I did wind up saying my total at a 130. I wound up saying my total more around a 135 and a half. I'm going to be taking a look at an under in the spot. You do have a USC team that I think is going to hold Oregon State to a lot of one and downs, but I do think that Oregon State is going to be able to do just enough at being able to guard from the perimeter to be able to keep themselves alive. And you've got a pair of teams that rank outside the top 200 with regards to possessions per game. When it comes to the other Oregon team, that would be the Ducks. They're going to be playing us to UCLA as you right now got Oregon finding themselves as an underdog here of two and a half to three points. This is 837, 838 on the bang board. With your total any between 138 and 139. And with regards to Oregon, I just can't take this home underdog. I would have needed more like a five to be able to take a look at them. I mean, at five, I'd be in on this team. You got to figure that UCLA is going to be very angry as well. This is a little bit of a wrench spot. Last time these two teams wanted to playing, it was out there in Los Angeles. And Oregon was able to go on the road, and they got the job done in overtime. It was a very strange game. That was one of those games that was happening during the height of the Omicron variant. And as a result, there were no fans in the stands out there in Poly Pavilion. So... It was a little bit of a gloomy game, for lack of a better term. And with UCLA, the team that they do leave a little bit of something to be desired on the glass, but so does Oregon. Oregon has been able to get a little bit more out of Infali Dante. They will get the team six plus boards per game with regards to him in the last five games. At least six rebounds in four out of the last five. But you've also been able to get a little bit more out of Miles Johnson for UCLA. Guy that winds coming in for Rutgers hasn't done a lot offensively with just four points per game, but take a look at the way that he's been able to take things over down low. Eight plus rebounds in four out of the last five games. A guy that's been able to do a good job as a rim protector as well. Overall for the year, one and a half blocks per game, but it's been able to give you a combined seven in the last three contests. And we've really just been seeing this with this UCLA team. Other than the game that they wound up playing in, I believe it was three overtimes against Arizona State. They've given up 70 points or fewer in every one of their games here this month. It's a UCLA team that 
they've been pushing a little bit more tempo than last season. I think that a lot of people forget that it's a UCLA team that when they wanted making their run to the Final Four, they were outside the top 275 with regards to possessions per game. So they were looking to play very low and slow. This year, they've been more of a mid-tempo team. You've got an Oregon team that they themselves have been, I think a fair way of putting it, is low tempo, maybe a little bit more on the slow side rather than the fast side. But at the same time, they're not necessarily demonstrative with the way that they've been able to push the ball one or an eighty first in the country with regards to possessions per game. And when it comes to Oregon, they only shoot about 67.5% free throw. I do think that that could be a little bit of bugaboo for this team. When it comes to UCLA, they've really been able to just up their defensive intensity with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. This is a team that they rank 19th in all of college basketball. You've really got one outside threat to be really focused on, and that would be Will Richardson for Oregon. 15.5 points per game, shooting 45%. From three-point range, but you were able to have Johnny Juzang on the flip side for this UCLA team. Give you 18 points per game. He's shooting in the high 30s from three-point range. Jules Bernard, along with Jaime Hawkes, both give you right around 12 points per game apiece. They're able to combine for about 12 boards as well. So these guys have been able to do a rock-solid job. I was expecting a little bit more out of Jacob Young. He's a double-figure scorer, but he's only shooting about 28-ish percent from three-point range with Oregon. They've been able to do a solid job defensively at home. They give up 11.4 points. Fewer on a per 100 possession basis at home rather than on the road. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a low scoring slog as I did wind up saying my total in this one at a 136.5. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under. And when it comes to UCLA, I was willing to lay up to 4.5 with them. Like I said, at 5, I'd be in on Oregon. This is just a line in which I thought we would get Oregon as a little bit more of a home underdog. I do recognize that Dana Altman always gets his team to play relatively well this time of year, but I'm going to be looking at the under, and I'm going to be looking to lay it here with the UCLA. When it comes to the other big underdog that we've got at home for the Pac-12, that would be 859-860. You've got Utah. They're going to be playing us to Arizona. Arizona is finding themselves as a relatively sizable favorite in this spot. You're going to be finding them in between 11 and 11.5. Draws game is anywhere between 150 and 151. Seeing the 11 halves out there, sign me up for Utah. Now, Utah is not a team that's necessarily playing the world's greatest defense with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. Well, right now, they are 192nd in all of college basketball, but this is part of that, like, mountain road trip. It is one of the trickiest ones that you're going to find out there in any conference slate in all of college basketball. Utah is a team that they shoot right around 79 to 80% of the free line. They're in the top 10 in all of college basketball. With that regard, you've got a guy in Booth Koch who's been able to give you 9.5 points per game. David Jenkins has been able to shoot 39% from three. Brendan Carlson, 7-footer that's able to pop threes, give you 13.5 points per game. And then take a look at Arizona. No question, Ben Matherin has been terrific. 18 points, right around 6.5 to 7 rebounds per game, mid-33-point shooter. Then you've got Christian Coloco. He's going to be able to own things down low. Three blocks per game has been one of the most improved players in all of college basketball. Azula Tabals has been able to give you 12 points, 6 boards per game. He pops threes, but he only shoots it at like a 25-ish percent clip. And Arizona is not a team that necessarily goes scorched earth from three-point range. This is a team that they shoot right around 34-ish percent from three-point range. And you notice Mr. Kirk Carissa has not been able to do a lot recently. Single digits in each of the team's last five games. He does have his turnover woes now when it comes to this Arizona team. With regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, this team is seventh in all of college basketball. They're the barrier breed in which... They rank in the top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. They're also 7th with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, but I do think that Utah is going to be able to remain live in this game. I like what you've been able to get out of Marco Anthony, guy that's a little bit of a six foot five 
Swiss Army Knife sort of guard is able to give you nine points, seven boards. He chips in there a few assists for Raleigh Worcester. Has done a nice job of being able to dole out the ball as well. And I do think that the home court advantage here for Utah is very big. They're averaging 10.9 points per 100 possession basis, more at home than on the road. So if you're able to give me the look, I'm willing to take a shot here on Utah. Did wind up setting the total at a 149 just because you've got an Arizona team that's doing a solid job at being able to defend as well. So we're going to be taking a look at the under to go along with the points. And coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at some NFL futures with our good friend Matt Landis. We're going to be taking a look at everything that we can expect from the 2022 NFL season with him on the other side right here on the look at on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is the look at right here on Visa and the Sports Bank Network. And we've been talking a little bit of everything tonight here on the look at. How about if we dive into a little NFL that's always in season and a man that is always keeping up with it? That'd be Matt Landis. He is doing a great job over there with the Props and Hops podcast. I like it because he is an enthusiast when it comes to the NFL and he's an enthusiast when it comes to beer. Being someone from the state of Wisconsin, I could respect that. To be able to follow Matt on Twitter, that is at MLandis, L-A-N-D-E-S, and then the number 18. And Matt, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Great to be with you. And with your Wisconsin roots, maybe after this we can try to arrange a trade involving some new Glarus. I will take that any day of the week. Spotted Cow, one of the best beers out there. You've also got the Moonwalker beer as well. That's a very solid one as well. I tried that for the first time when I was back at Wisconsin last week. That is absolutely terrific. So I am right there with you. We will need to set that up. And what we've got to set up is taking a look at the NFL futures market right now because obviously we are just removed from the Super Bowl. So things are very fresh. But when it comes to timing with regards to the futures market, that's key regardless of the sport, whether you're looking at the NFL, college basketball, MLB, list goes on and on. Is there a team or two that... If you're taking a look at their future right now, you probably want to be firing on it now before the number winds up moving. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head with timing here. I mean, we have a lot of quarterback movement potentially to take place, free agency yet to take place, the draft shortly ahead here. The schedule's not even out yet. So a lot of unknown, and at the same time, some of that uncertainty, while it can be daunting, can also breed a lot of opportunity one team that I'm feeling bullish on now, and everybody who knows me uh, as a Chargers fan going to ask me, when am I ever going to learn my lesson? But seeing the Chargers at 22-1 to 1 right now, 
Um, while I haven't bet that yet myself, I would be inclined to look their way before too much more time passes. If somebody does want to play a futures bet on them to win it this coming year, I think a lot of it tied in with that 22 to 1 price point, basically not too far off of where the Bucks are being priced without Tom Brady. And quite honestly, far below where the Bengals are being priced. I know since he just won the AFC, but the Chargers won in Cincinnati by 19 points in December. And when it comes to their team, the foundation, a lot of good pieces in place. And as a long-suffering Chargers fan, haven't been able to think that way very often. Justin Herbert, a keystone to build around for the future. They got him some nice reinforcements on the offensive line, including Slater in the first round last year. Bosa wrecking things in the trenches defensively. Brandon Staley, quite the aggressive head coach, but I think a lot of that's grounded in a solid process. So if the time is ever going to come for the Chargers, I think it's right now while they've got Herbert on his rookie deal. Because if we look elsewhere in their division, of course, the team they've got to dethrone to get to the promised land, the Kansas City Chiefs, going to be paying Patrick Mahomes real money for the first time this coming season. His cap hit going up about five times what it's been in years past. That's going to be about $36 million this coming season. The Bills, the other powerhouse in the AFC right now, a force to be reckoned with, but Brian Dable no longer with the team, taking the head coaching job with the Giants. So things might open up a bit at the top of the AFC. We saw the Bengals make their big run this season. My fingers are crossed as a fan, and perhaps by the time the season kicks off as a better as well, that the Chargers could be that team in 2022. Yep, and we certainly saw the Chargers in full display on Week 18, even I mean, I'll say it right now, it was one of the most impressive losses I've ever seen in my life. Justin Herbert making all sorts of plays. It certainly looks like there's going to be a lot of upside with the Chargers moving forward. And we've seen a lot of upside when it comes to guys in free agency that wind up finding a new destination because each of the last two Super Bowls have been won by someone that winds up finding a new location. Matt Safford wound up getting traded from the Lions, wound up going to the Rams. They wound up winning it in season number one. And then you obviously had Tom Brady two seasons ago, wind up going to Tampa Bay. They were able to win it as well. As we know, there's going to be a couple of quarterbacks on the move with regards to either trades, free agency, or maybe a little bit of a mix of both because this is just not a deep crop of quarterbacks when it comes to the draft. There certainly is not going to be one taken at number one. There's some people are saying that we might not even get a quarterback taken in the top 10 at this point. So I do think that that makes things very intriguing as well. And how do you wind up gauging this? Because as we know, a rookie quarterback has never been able to win the Super Bowl to this point. And we've got a lot of guys that maybe they aren't the necessarily the biggest of names, but they're solid guys that have been able to make the postseason that might be on the move. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of teams are in an interesting spot with like the Steelers, you know, are they going to get a big name quarterback? I know the news came out that if the season started today, then, you know, we're going to go with Mason Rudolph. Well, the key point there is I saw Dave Damashek tweet, the season doesn't start today. So Pittsburgh likely going to have somebody else, but we're not sure who that's going to be. A lot of teams with good pieces, except for the most important position in all of team sports. And I'm not ready to fire on any of those teams yet. I will say I've got an early read on a team, you know, looking the other way, if I'm bullish on the Chargers, I'd say I'm quite bearish on the Bengals and they certainly have their quarterback of the future. Don't want to take anything away from what Joe Burrow has just done for them. And, you know, they won the AFC. You cannot take that away. That said, I feel like it's going to be a race to the window for a lot of bettors who are doing some work now to be ready for markets like regular season win totals to open up. And a lot of that has to do with perception. The Bengals have the fourth best Super Bowl odds right now. That tells me their regular season win number probably going to be pretty lofty. 
But this was a 10 and 7 team in the regular season that got pretty fortunate to win some of those games down the stretch. They were outgained across the board in the playoffs. They had some good turnover fortune. And we look at the upcoming draft this season. The Bengals, for the first time in a long time, going to be picking late in the first round. Probably not a Jamar Chase caliber player available when they're on the clock at 31. Also, by virtue of winning the AFC North last year, Cincinnati drawing a first place schedule. And a lot of it's going to come down to the number. But I think right now, as you talk about, you know, different moving pieces that we're going to see, trying to gauge where the market perceives certain teams to be, there's not too much of a betting market yet. But by doing some of this work right now, once we have more than Super Bowl futures out there, I think people who are more prepared can scoop up a lot of value really early on. I do agree with you there, especially when it comes to all these free agents slash guys that might be on the move with regards to trades as well. And I take a look at this year's NFL draft. I just mentioned it. You really don't have that one guy with regards to the quarterback spot that is necessarily standing out. Do you think that there could be a little bit more of a lack of movement from the NFL draft than in years past with regards to the futures board? Because I just take a look at things and a lot of your top players, like an Aiden Hutchinson, he's right now the number two shot to go number one overall. You've got Thibodeau coming out of Oregon. I mean, these are guys that no doubt they're going to be able to make a little bit of an impact, but I really don't see them as necessarily movers and shakers with regards to some of these teams with regards to their futures value. I don't know if you're seeing sort of what I am, that it's really going to be free agency that causes a lot of moves with regards to the futures market, but that's just the way that I see it right now. Yeah, when it comes to the draft market, I think what we will see a lot of is, you know, right next to you when Circa puts up its draft board. I believe last year that came in early April. That really gave a kickstart to the whole betting market for the draft. And I think that's going to be really important to monitor this year as well, because the draft, unlike so much of the rest of the NFL betting market, so much driven by information and right now, nobody seems to have a great read on it. You kind of touched on it. We don't even have somebody who's a consensus, you know, minus money favorite to go number one. That says a lot about how wide open things are. I would even say Daniel Jeremiah, one of the better sources when it comes to mock drafts year after year, he tweeted on Monday that he can't even recall a year with so little clarity starting with the first overall pick. So I'm going to be right there with you trying to read some tea leaves. I will say one thing that stood out to me from the draft process last year Pro days really moved the needle for some of the quarterbacks we were looking at. And as you said, we're probably not going to see a quarterback one overall or perhaps even in the top 10. But once we get a read on Kenny Pickett, you know, Malik Willis, Matt Carell, Desmond Ritter, these guys uh, have a lot of pro days coming up March 23rd and 24th. They're kind of clustered together. But last year, something we saw, Justin Fields and Trey Lance both had second pro days in April closer to the draft. I'd say if and when we get news, some of these guys probably will do second pro days as well. If you like somebody, get down on them before that second pro day because it's probably going to skyrocket their stock. And if you don't like them, hurry up and wait. No need to rush it. You can always fade them after a second impressive pro day sends their skyrocketing stock you know, to a point that you can go valuable the other way. I do agree with you there. When it comes to pro days, they are very paramount. It's a big reason why. Teddy Bridgewater, way back in the day, he went from like the number one overall pick to being like the last pick in the first round. So that is something that you always want to take a look at it, Matt. We've got about a minute left. One thing, one team that I think is very intriguing with regards to futures market right now, that's a team that we're obviously hearing a lot of hubbub of as to whether or not they're going to get Aaron Rodgers. That'd be the Denver Broncos. I sort of take a look at it as the bookmakers are sort of splitting the difference as to whether or not he's going to go there at 22 to 1. What's your take on them overall from a futures perspective? Because I think that they're the most intriguing team that's out there on the board. 
Yeah, I'm aligned with you there. The odds right now kind of splitting the difference. And last year, as the draft was getting underway when the Rodgers rumors heated up, I actually took flyers on Denver to win the AFC West, win the conference, win the Super Bowl. Obviously didn't come to fruition, but when you're getting really big numbers, that can go a long way. Right now, the number is kind of baking in realistic probability that Rodgers may or may not go their way. If somebody can get that information fast and act on these numbers, that's all right. Otherwise, I'm just going to try to sit back and wait because I don't want to be left holding the bag. You know, some people I trust think that Rodgers is going to stay put. So I think the Denver number might go up. If you do like the Broncos and the rest of that roster, if and when Rodgers stays in Green Bay, maybe more value in playing the Broncos once we know he's not going to be headed their way. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that, Matt. And coming up next, we're going to be talking some college basketball right here on Visa and the Sports Bang Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Need more college hoops insights? Check out the Coast to Coast Hoops podcast with myself, Greg Hoops Pearson. Fresh episode wound up dropping just 30 minutes ago, by the way, as I take a look at every major and every minor college basketball game on the board to be able to find you upcoming betting opportunities. I have an opinion on every side and every total. I give my picks and analysis. On every game, every day on the Coast to Coast Hoops podcast. You're able to download that vsin.com slash podcast or every year podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, the list goes on and on. And while you're there, you're able to catch up on every single vsin show as well as it is a look at with myself, Greg Gibbs Pearson. Big thanks to Matt Landis for diving into the NFL futures market with me in the last segment. And I mentioned it, Coast to Coast Hoops podcast just wound up coming out. And if you can't get enough college basketball, I'll be on Follow the Money at 4.45 a.m. Pacific Time, 7.45 a.m. Eastern. And it's going to be Matt Humans along Dave Ross holding it down on Follow the Money. So if you're listening to me live, you'll get three hours of myself and then Follow the Money. If you're listening to the replay, Follow the Money coming up in 29 minutes and counting. So we've got you all set for a great day at VSend here, the Sports Bank Network. And got to get you guys set for what is going to be a great day of college basketball coverage and got to give mention to all the good folks behind the scenes that make everything possible. My wonderful producer, Jason Kahn. You've got Nick, my technical director, Taylor. He gets me all set up on audio. Oliver, our wonderful production assistant. All these guys make everything that we do just so seamless. It's how you're able to hear all the podcasts on a day in and day out basis with regards to all of our shows. These guys are the best in the business. So I have to try to do my best to be able to live up to that as let's take a look at some teams that have some very interesting betting, I guess you call it splits, as you've got the top cover team in all of college basketball who is going to be taking the hardwood on Thursday. And the top cover team in all of college basketball this year, that would be Middle Tennessee, who's been covering darn near 78% of their games, and you're finding them as a six-point favorite here against Marshall, and you're trying this game, finding it anywhere between a 153 and 153 and a half. Rotation number, by the way, 773, 774, and this is a game that opened up eight. So despite the fact that you've had Middle Tennessee be an absolute cover machine this year, they have been getting bet against, and I think it's intriguing because at an eight, I'd be willing to take a shot here on Marshall. I want to say my line at seven, though, so this has crossed through my own line. I have no idea why you've got Middle Tennessee getting faded here because they're 19-5-1 against the spread, and Marshall, 
Well, they've been downright terrible. 7-18-1 against the spread. I will say, for Marshall, they haven't been able to cover three out of their last four games. And it's interesting because you've got a guy in Obiana, Onchili Killian, who's been able to give you 2.8 blocks per game. He actually wound up in non-conference play at one point, averaging more than four blocks per contest. And as he's been getting fewer and fewer blocks, Marshall has been able to play better and better. You do have a pair of guys in Davion Kinsey along with Andrew Taylor. They're able to combine for about 33 points per game. They both do a good job of being able to do all the ball, but it's when it's really been the bugaboo for this Marshall team. They just have been unable to make threes. They're in the bottom 35 with regards to three-point shooting percentage at all of college basketball. It's sub-30%. Marshall, with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis, as a result, has been a little bit brutal. 203rd in the country with that regard, and then... And take a look at this Middle Tennessee bunch. They don't necessarily do one thing great. They rank right around 91st in the country with the guards point scored on a per possession basis. They do shoot it well at the free throw line, 74.8-ish percent at the charity stripe. They only shoot about 33% from three-point range. So what I will also say about Middle Tennessee is if you take a look at the last, we're going to call it six games for them. They've been shooting darn near 40% from three-point range. This is a Middle Tennessee bunch that they got off to a really brutal start with regards to their three-point shooting percentage. It's been getting better and better in the last three games. They have shot 42.2% from three-point range, so they've been able to heat up quite a bit with that respect. And then you take a look at this Marshall team. They've been able to do an okay job on the glass, but it's not necessarily anything exceptional. And I feel like that's really where you're able to hurt this Middle Tennessee team because Middle Tennessee, with DeAndre Dishman giving them 4.8 rebounds per game, being their leader, they don't have a single guy who gives you more than 5-plus boards per game, I will say. Middle Tennessee, they still rank right around 126 in the country with regards to rebound rate, so it's not like they're getting bludgeoned on the glass. And despite the fact that Marshall has some more, I guess you call it focal rebounders, they rank right around 250th in the country. I don't understand why the money is coming in against Middle Tennessee, but I will gladly lay a six here with Middle Tennessee, getting a good number on a team that has been very trustworthy all year long against the Marshall team that, well, they have not been trustworthy all season long. Marshall does rank in the top 20 with regards to possessions per game. Middle Tennessee, relatively solid defense. Marshall, not necessarily so much, but I just don't think that you're going to be able to have enough outside shooting for Marshall to be able to hit this total over. I set my total at a 151, so I'm going to be taking a look at an under, and I'm going to be taking a look at this Middle Tennessee bunch once again to be able to get another cover. We've hit on a lot of the Pac-12 games here in this hour, but we have yet to hit on one that involves two unranked teams. This is going to be 835-836 on the betting board. Arizona State, they're going to be hitting the road. They're going to be playing against Colorado. Colorado's finding themselves anywhere between a 5.5 and a, and a 6-point favorite in your tallest game. Same between 133 and 134. And when it comes to this Arizona State team, they've actually been able to play some better basketball recently. It's a team that they wound up starting out the year brutal, to say the least. But I mean, ever since they wound up having that game, which they wound up winning in triple overtime against UCLA, and you're able, able to extend that a little bit past that as well. It's been a team that's been much more competitive. And now you've been able to find a little bit of outside shooting because it's an Arizona State team that they are shooting about 29.5% from three-point range. They've ranked in the bottom 35 in all of college basketball in that respect. It's a big reason why in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis, Arizona State 333rd in all of college basketball. Colorado State, they haven't necessarily been too terrific themselves at 170th. Now, when it comes to Colorado State, they've actually ranked in the top 75 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. In Arizona State, they are in the top 100 themselves. Kamani Lawrence we will give this Arizona State team right around 12 points, six half rebounds per game. So he's been solid. Jabari Walker was the son of Samaki Walker. We will give this team 13 points, nine boards at six foot nine. We will pop threes at about 31-ish percent clip. And 
For Colorado, this Penny team has been able to shoot very well from three-point range in conference. Out of conference, they were shooting more around 32-33% for distance, and here in conference, it's been more around 39-ish percent. So they've been able to do a much better job there. Arizona State, because they've been doing a solid job on defense and really a future job on offense. They've been one of your better teams to the under in all of college basketball. 18 unders to 8 overs. Meanwhile, you do have a Colorado team that they do have Tristan De Silva, a six foot nine, little bit of a choker player, is able to shoot about 36% from three-point range. I do like what he's able to bring to the table, but I do think that with Arizona State getting DJ turned it up, Horn will be able to give you 13 points, shooting in the high 30s from three-point range, coupled with Jay Heath now shooting nearly 38% from three, giving you 10 points per contest. Marion Jackson finding his footing with regards to the offense that they're going to be able to hold up in this game, especially with having someone like Alonzo Gaffney being able to give you a block and a half for contest. You've got Ed Boyaka, who has been able to give you a block per game as well. So he's been able to do a solid job. You've got a Arizona State team that it is a case in which the whole is now greater than the sum of its parts. Colorado's a team that they've got Evan Batty shooting it well from three-point range. But I do think that Arizona State is going to be able to hold up in this game while upsetting them more around a three-point underdog. I think that on a neutral court, these teams are a little bit closer to equal than a lot of people would think. I do why I'm saying this total at 133. I'm very willing to dive under here with an Arizona State team that has been solid on defense and willing to take the points here when it comes to the Sun Devils as well. When it comes to off-the-beaten-path games with regards to college basketball, how about if we hit on a team that has been doing a terrific job in their conference? That would be Long Beach State. 855, 856 on the bang board. Long Beach State playing us to San Diego. San Diego opened up a nine-point dog. Now you're finding them in a lot of places at 8.5 point dog. I'm seeing a straight 8 out here at Circa as well with your total on this game. Between 145.5, seeing as high as a 147, and especially the 8 here at Circa, I'm willing to lay it with Long Beach State. I wound up saying my line at an 8.5 personally at 9. It's a little bit more of a lean towards San Diego, but with that said, it's a San Diego team that they've been a little bit all over the place recently, and it's a San Diego bunch of they don't necessarily play with the world's most up-tempo style. They've been able to do a solid job of being able to put the ball in the basket. They rank 216th in the country with regards to possessions per game. And Long Beach State, they are a team that they're looking to gun it. They rank in the top 45 with regards to possessions per game in all of college basketball. So they're really looking to play fast. And when it comes to this UC San Diego team, it's a team that they have been lacking in terms of defense outside the top 200 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. But you also take a look at the offense. When it comes to the amount of points that they score on a per possession basis, despite the fact that they only shoot right around the mid 30s with regards to three point shooting percentage, they have been a bunch that they've been able to do a little bit of a better job. This has been going down and down and down as the season has went along, though. And with Long Beach State, is a team that, with regards to their points scored on a per possession basis, only right around 236th. But with them being able to do a solid job down low, you've got a guy in Abadou Trayer who's been able to give you eight rebounds per game. It's been solid. You've also got Colin Slater coupled with Joel Murray. These guys are able to combine for 30 points per game. You've got Slater shooting nearly 40% from three-point range with the CC San Diego team. You've been able to have Tony Rokach be able to give you right around 15 points, six boards per game. But I do think that it's a case in which Long Beach State has been able to turn over a new leaf with regards to their, uh, with regards to their defense. On offense, both of these teams rank outside the top 225 with regards to points scored on a per-possession basis. So semi-total 144.5, diving under. And here... Now that we're seeing eight and eight nafs, I lean towards Long Beach State laying the points. And here in the final segment, going to be refreshing the DK Nation pick I wound up giving out in the second hour and just giving you guys what I like on the college basketball betting board for Thursday. That's up next right here on VEASAN Esports Betting Network. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the look ahead on vsin the sports betting network Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check out the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for money line over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way vsin is here year-round to make you a smarter better. Check out today's betting splits for every single game at vsin.com as it is the final segment of The Look Ahead with myself, Greg Eubes Peterson. If you're looking at me live, well, for the next three hours, you're going to be getting myself after this. If you are listening to the replay, so if you're listening at 3.45 a.m. Pacific, 6.45 a.m. Eastern, Follow the Money is going to be coming up in 15 minutes. And in the first hour of Follow the Money, I'll be joining Dave Ross along with Matt humans talking about Thursday's college basketball cards. So, You've got a whole lot to be able to look forward to there. The guys are going to do a great job. Mitch and Polly deserving some well-deserved time off. Matt Humans, Dave Ross, two of the best in the business. So I'm going to be very much looking forward to that and looking forward to what we're going to be getting all in the world of sports in co- in college basketball, especially on Thursday. We wound up hitting upon a little bit of NBA. We wound up having Minty Betts along with Claudia Bellafato. Join me to talk a little NHL tonight. A big thanks to both of them, Matt Landis. Join me to talk about the NFL futures market as well. But how about if we hit upon my DK Nation pick that we've got in college basketball for this Thursday. We wound up going with one of the big ones. It's going to be Gonzaga versus San Francisco. If you're looking at rotation numbers, this is 823, 824. Gonzaga opened up a 9.5 point favorite. Now it's a mix of anywhere between 9.5 and 10, depending on where you shop for this summer. Total, you're going to be getting anywhere between 156.5 and 157.5 with Gonzaga. I just think it's really good value being able to get them at single digits slash a 10. I wound up saying this at a 12 and a half. The DK Nation pick is going to be the Gonzaga spread laying between nine and a half and 10 points. And with regards to Gonzaga, we always talk about the offense and it is prolific. They shoot 62% from two point range on the road. That is number one in all of college basketball. They do a great job with regards to just being efficient in general. Number two in regards to points scored on a per-possession basis or in the top 20 with regards to total possessions per game. But what gets lost on a lot of people is that Gonzaga is really stinking good on defense. This is a team that they are number three in all of college basketball in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. The only team that gives up fewer points on a per-possession basis in true road games, that would be the Navy Midshipmen. So that has been really good for this team as well. 
And then when it comes to what you're able to get down low, Drew Timmy, Chet Holmgren. Both of these guys are really, depending on where you shop, in the top 10 with regards to shortage size for the Wooden Award. They combine to give you 32.5 points, 16 rebounds, 4.5 assists, and they combine to shoot 65.8% from the floor. These guys have been absolutely sensational with that regard. On top of that, you've got Chet Holmgren, who's right now shooting about 45% from three-point range, and he's been able to do a good job of being able to chip in there three and a half blocks per contest. It's been absolutely remarkable what we've been able to see out of him. And then when it comes to what you're going to be able to get on the flip side for San Francisco, you do have you do have Jamari Boye coupled with Khalil Shabazz. Both of these guys combined to be able to give you about 30 points per game, so they're able to do a solid job. Both of these guys shoot it solidly from three-point range, and when it comes to what you're going to be able to get out of this team in general, I do think that you are going to be able to have a little bit of something down low out of Yuan Mazliski. He's been able to give you right around nine and a half boards per game. He's able to chip in there a couple blocks. So he's been able to do a solid job there. But I just don't think that there's any possibility whatsoever. And he's going to be able to hold up against all that you've got with this Gonzaga team, especially with Gonzaga having Rajir Bolton shooting right around 40% from three-point range. It's a Gonzaga team that they really cut off the arc from other teams themselves. It's not a Gonzaga team that's necessarily going to go out there, get you a whole bunch of seals or anything like that. But... They're just, they're going to let you take shots and they're not going to be good ones. That's the way that Gonzaga winds up playing defense. I do think that San Francisco, a team that wound up losing by 16 the first time around after trailing by just two towards the beginning part of the second half, they're going to have their hands full. I don't think that there's going to be any sort of a look at here for Gonzaga because this is a Gonzaga team that they just know that this is going to be a big game for them. A lot of people are thinking that they're going to look forward to the game against St. Mary's, but this is a Gonzaga team that they're very well-rounded. They're very well-coached as well with Mark Few. Being able to do a solid job of being able to keep the direction going upward for this program. I am willing to lay the 9.5 to 10 that we're seeing with Gonzaga. Made my line 12.5. That is what I'm giving up for DK Nation. And in terms of the total, I did wind up saying the total at 162.5. You do have a San Francisco team that they rank at the top one with regards to possessions per game. I do think that you're going to get a little bit more of an up-tempo game for time around. Both of these teams just really couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat combining to shoot sub-30% for three-point range. I think both of these teams are going to be a little bit more warm with regards to their three-point shooting. So we're going to be taking a look at the over, and I'm going to be taking a look at Gonzaga laying the points with the DK Nation pick. I want to mentioning the South Dakota State versus Oral Roberts game a little bit earlier, so I've got to pay it off. I've got to be able to break this game down. It is 807-808 on the betting board with South Dakota State finding themselves between two and a half and three and a half point favorites at all in this game. You're going to be finding it at a 166 and a half to a 167. Now you've got two teams that are not playing a lot of defense and they're playing a whole lot of offense as you've got a South Dakota State team that on the road, they are giving up more than 10 points more per 100 possession basis than they are on, than they are at home. So that is certainly a little bit of an issue, but you take a look at this Oral Roberts team. I do think that they are going to be able to find some very easy buckets. Max Aismas was the leader in all of college basketball in terms of points scored per game last year. He's been able to average right around 23 points per contest. And when it comes to this Oral Roberts team, they're shooting his collective about 38.5% for three-point range. I think we've went up a little bit too high with this total, though. I mean, you got a South Dakota State team that they do rank in the top 30 with regards to possessions per game. And it's not like Oral Roberts is necessarily a snail themselves. They rank right around 51st in the country with regards to possessions per game. But I do think that it's a South Dakota State team that is going to be able to get enough out of Baylor Shireman to be able to get the job done here. A guy that's able to give you 15.5 points, 8.5 boards, 4 assists, very well-rounded player. Got a South Dakota State team that I just have the feeling that they are going to see a little bit of a dip with regards to their three-point shooting percentage. And 
The reason why I think that they're going to see a little bit of a dip is because I, I just don't know if this is sustainable or not. South Dakota State shooting 44.3% from three-point range. At home, 44.4%. On the road, 44.3%. Both lead all of college basketball. It's absolutely remarkable what they've been able to do. I just have one of those just sort of common sense things where it's like, I don't know if they're going to be able to quite continue this. There's no doubt a very good offense. Shooting 44.3% from three-point range for a season is insane. There's only one other team that shoots above 39.5% from three-point range. That'd be Purdue. So that tells you just sort of the company and how dominant they have been with that aspect. I do think that South Dakota State is going to be able to get the job done in the spot just because you do have an Oral Roberts team. It's not necessarily great on the glass. Francis Laces, it will give you right around seven boards per game. Kareem Thompson, they will give you six rebounds per game as well. Oral Roberts, they only turn the ball over 10 times per game, but they don't necessarily force a lot of seals themselves. South Dakota State, I think he's going to do a little bit of a better job there. And with Douglas Wilson being able to haul in their five plus rebounds per game, I do think that South Dakota State is going to be a prevail. I'm willing to lay up to a three and a half year when it comes to South Dakota State on the road. Once you wind up getting past three and a half, then I think that the boat has really passed you by, but... It's a South Dakota State team that has yet to lose a game in conference thus far, and I think that they're going to be able to keep that going as well. And a game that I think is going to be a little bit off the beaten path and is going to provide a little bit of value. How about if we wind up going to the big sky? 827, 828, you've got Southern Utah. They're going to be playing us in Montana. Montana's between a 6 and 6.5 point dog with your total. in between 142 and 142.5. This is a bunch in Montana that has been able to do a good, great job of getting Josh Bannon going. He's a 6.9 combo player. Been able to give you 14 and a half points, eight rebounds per game. And what you also like about Montana is that they do the little things really well. This is a team that they shoot a little bit over 80% of the free line, 80 and a half to be precise. They sh that is number four in all of college basketball. You've been able to have a guy in Cameron Parker who winds up coming in from Sacred Heart. He's done a good job giving out five assists to right around one and a half turnovers per game. And as a collective, Montana's only turned the ball over right around 10 times per game in terms of turnovers on a per-possession basis. They do rank in the top 20 in all of college basketball. They're going against the Southern Utah team that they don't necessarily do anything great. They're right around like 160th with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. You have Mason Fawcett who's able to give you 8 rebounds per game. They shoot right around 72% from the free throw line, 34-ish percent from three-point range. So nothing that's really terrible, nothing that's really great. They are 76th in the country with regards to turnovers on a per-possession basis themselves. So it's a team that they do an okay job of being able to take care of the ball, but it's nothing great once again. They don't force a lot of seals. And you've got a Montana team that you've been able to have a very well-rounded group be able to pop a couple threes for this team. Someone like Robbie Beasley is able to give you 11 points per game. I think is going to be a big-time asset. And you just take a look at the Southern Utah team. They just have not been able to cover a lot of numbers. They've been able to cover only about 35% of their game. So I do think that that's going to be a little bit of an issue against a Montana team that they just do a great job of not beating themselves. When it comes to Montana, I want to saying this line more around three. So I'm going to be able to take the points in this spot and feel relatively comfortable about it. So... Yeah, I'm looking there, and I did wind up saying my total more around a 139 to a 140. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under as well. And something that I always like to take a look at, great content here at VEASAN. We've got you covered. Follow the money. That is going to be up next, if it's not myself, on a replay. And that's right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.